you're in or you're out. Welcome to the ins and outs of selling a business featuring Keith D., a presentation of Osage Advisors. Well, hello, everyone. This is David Yaz, producer at the Boston Podcast Network and proud host of the ins and outs of selling a business with Keith D. He's here in the virtual studio as usual. How are you, my friend? I am great, Dave. How are you doing today? Pretty good. As we were mentioning before we started recording, the sun is shining and the Red Sox are in first place. So two good things. Yeah, so far, two good things. Let's try to make it three. You know, we're really excited to be here today. We have our first guest for the uh, podcast, and I've invited Mark Rollins of uh, Retirement Transform to join us. One of the key aspects, one of the key issues that comes up business owners when they're looking to sell is, what's my life going to be after the sale? So we have ongoing conversations with clients anywhere from six months to two years. And the timing of selling a company is can be delayed, procrastinated, not even done because the owners don't know what's going to happen after they sell their company. So I thought it'd be great to have Mark with us. Mark was a part of a family business. And after many years, they decided to sell the company. And I thought having Mark with us today to talk about his experience through that, through that sales process and how he envisioned himself after the sale could really benefit our audience. So Mark, welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Keith and Dave. It's really great to be here with you guys today in an awesome spring yet cool morning in uh, New England. Well, we're happy to have you and you know, let's just go right into it. And so Mark, from what was the motivation behind your decision to sell your family business? You know, there were probably three reasons behind my brother and I making the decision to sell our business. There was a lot of hesitation because it was a fourth generation family business. And in one regard, we thought it'd be great to keep it going. But we each had three children and none of the kids showed any interest in the business at all. So we knew at some point when a transaction would take place, it would probably be an external buyer. So that part was pretty clear to us. But the, the first thing was the timing. I mean, we were 53 and 55 years old. There was a lot of private equity money in the marketplace. There was a lot of larger insurance brokers. So we, we were a privately held insurance brokerage firm. But there were a lot of people calling us all the time, every day, every week. And it wasn't until we started to hear that, you know, you do this at a younger age, at, you know, 55, 60 the valuations are a little higher because they they think you're going to hang around a little bit longer, which is good for them. So the timing was important. We were 53 and 55 and started to think more seriously about it. And then the second reason really was the risk. You know, this was our biggest asset. It was generating really great revenues for us. But it, you know, you just didn't know the future of the business. So that weighed heavily on us. And then the last thing really was a, was a personal issue that I had, and I'll describe it as being stuck at the top. There really wasn't much more we could do with our business. We had totally transformed it from the way our dad had it. And I wasn't working that hard. I was enjoying my life. I was spending a lot of time playing golf and relaxing and working. But I felt like I wanted to do something else and re-energize myself with some new projects. Well, you know, it's interesting you say you you got to a certain point where, you know, I can take it as far as I can take it. 
And, you know, we've had ongoing discussions with business owners and that's a common theme today is I've got it to a point where I need help or I'm not the person to take it to the next level. So, you know, looking in the mirror, reflecting on that and realizing that, you know, for the business, for my employees to grow to the next level, it's time for me to move on. So, you know, in the, in that light, in that decision-making process, you know, when you kind of realize that you got to a certain level, you know, how did the, what the future holds after the sale kind of fall into your process? Because, you know, what we see in a number of our clients, you know, past current and, and future clients we're talking to now is, you know, that unknown of my life after the sale, someone's put 10, 20, 30, 40 years into something and they're going to let go you know, letting go is a very difficult decision. So how did that kind of play? I know it's you, your brother, your family was involved. So if you can just maybe talk a little bit about that, we'd appreciate it. Sure. The, I was 55 years old when we sold the business. And my plan uh, up to the sale was to look for a buyer that I could get re-energized and see myself working another 10 years for sure, if not longer. I didn't really have a plan to leave the business and, and retire. I just decided that I, you know, I, it's not that I wanted to work for someone else, but I'm leadership guru. So I like, you know, being able to lead, but it was Chuck and I leading 40 people. And it's not that it got boring, but I wanted something bigger. So we found a buyer that was, had a national footprint and they were going to make our office a hub and I was going to become the office leader and do acquisitions and grow. So I was energized to do that. So that was my plan. The thing that happened, though, a year after we sold the business, my dad passed away. Now, my dad retired at 65, and he had a great retirement plan, the traditional retirement, I call it, where you sit back, take it easy, and do nothing. And as he said, you know, enjoy the fruits of his labor. I mean, he worked hard for so many years. Now it's time for him to enjoy himself. And he did. You know, he went to Florida. He had his, his golf game with his buddies three days a week. And then he'd have drinks, lunch, go home and take a nap, get up, watch a little TV, take my mom to dinner, and then do it again. And when he died, he died really because he lost his way in his retirement. It only lasted 15 years. He didn't, he, the plan that he had, the traditional plan just didn't work for him. And frankly, I don't think it works for a lot of people. So when that happened, my wife and I started to, you know, realize we don't want a retirement like that. We needed something different. So we started to think long and hard about what our next 30 years would look like. So, you know, on that point, you started this terrific business called Retirement Transformed. You took a lot of reflection to where you were when you sold the company and you made the decision, as you said, what's my next 30 years going to look like? And you were very, I guess the word is proactive about putting a life plan together to fulfill your needs and your goals uh, for the next 30 years. And, you know, we and you open up this company retirement plan to kind of share that experience with other, you know, not just business owners, but other people who are retiring in general. So how did that all come together? And, 
Yeah, what are some of the benefits that you've, re, you've uh, enjoyed through that, you and Jody, as well as what you're hearing from your uh, people who are part of your uh, organization? Well, it's interesting because after my dad died, the day that my father died, I was actually at a corporate retreat for my new company. The CEO was actually speaking to 125 leaders from across the country. And my phone was ringing. It actually had rung for the third time in my pocket. And after the third time, I pulled it out and looked at it, and it was my sister-in-law. And I realized it was probably important because it's three calls in a row. And I knew my dad wasn't doing that well. So I stepped out of the meeting, and sure enough, she gave me the, the sad news about my dad. And I sat in the lobby and realized, you know, this I, I don't want to end up like that. So Jody and I started to think about it, and over the next two years... I continued to work hard for the new company, but I was starting to lose interest. And I realized that I didn't like the pressure anymore. I needed to slow down. So I stepped down as the office leader and I wanted to go back to my roots as a connector. I wanted to service my 25 best clients and just relax a little bit and relax. Jody and I did. We started to work less. We started to travel. We started to get a taste for the traditional retirement. So we traveled to six countries over two years. We partied like rock stars with our kids. We entertained. We were living the kind of retirement that my dad did. And we realized it was just unsustainable. So we began to talk and think, and we had no guidance. Everything, when you Google retirement planning, living a nice retirement, how do you retire? Everything comes up, 99% of it comes up about financial planning. And we had that wrapped up. So there really wasn't anything about, you know, the the other parts of life. So we read a lot of books. We uh, did some focus groups. We talked to a lot of people, some who were doing well in retirement and many who weren't. And from all of that, we started to build our own new life. And we worked on our physical wellness, our mental wellness. We had a plan around relationships. Jody and I worked really hard on our relationship. And then the fifth part was wisdom sharing. How can we take everything that we learned, all of our experiences over the last 40 years, and reapply that in a way to help others. So we started to build a, you know, a retirement transform for ourselves and ultimately took that and turned it into a business to help others. So now you have this new business. It's like a, this is called a second career, totally outside of the insurance business. And, you know, you've come to the, you know, there's not a, from my perspective, there's, right, you, you Google retirement planning, it's financial planning about your money, about your uh, life insurance, about your health insurance, all that kind of stuff. So you've got this new business and you have a number of participants who are now enjoying the benefits of what you and Jody created. Can you give us a couple examples, uh, maybe a business owner or even a senior executive who, you know, that reached out to you guys for help? and ways that they've seen themselves transformed to have a positive outlook on the next 20, 30 years of their life. Sure. 
there's an individual that was the CEO of another insurance agency, and he started it from scratch 45 years ago. I think he's 67 now, and he sold it two years ago. And after he sold it, he got a position with a new firm similar to what I did. It was a very large agency. He had 120 employees. So financially, he was set, and his kids were set, and probably his grandkids are set financially for the rest of their lives. But he started to you know, lose interest. He started to wonder, what am I going to do all day? So there's this, there's this thing that happens when you retire or sell your company or step away. There's three big risks that you face. One is this 40 plus hours of new time that come your way. Secondly, this major transition of identity. You know, even for me, I was the CEO. I was the guy in my county, in the business community. I was identified as Mark of Rollins Agency. And then when you retire, you have to reinvent yourself. You know, my dad reinvented himself as retired. And I used to say to him, that's not a title, it's a phase. But this client realized he was starting to struggle with these three areas. So we took him through our one-on-one coaching program. And today, He's, he's getting remarried next month. He has re-energized himself to write songs. He's always been a musician, but he did it as a hobby. Now he's actually writing songs, not just for himself, but for others. And he's a big boater and sailor. So now he's re-engaged with that. He's racing again. So he's keeping himself busy all day long, still dabbling with work. So that's one individual that we really were able to guide him and help him to find some passion and purpose in this new phase of life. Well, it's interesting. We're all creatures of habit. So in your example, you just, you gave us is that you got to get outside your comfort zone and, you know, that fear of the unknown and, you know, everybody has a skill set for work, but they have a life skill set. And some of these things like you're talking about here, People just put way in the back of the brain they don't think about it anymore because, you know, they never had time for it. And then so once they retire, once they sell their company, you know, they're not thinking deep back about all these opportunities they have now to kind of re-energize themselves. And it sounds like, you know, the plan you have with, with Retirement Transformed is, is an accelerator to get people thinking about options they have to really enjoy the next 20, 30 years. I, I want to come back a little bit to when you sold the business because, the majority of business owners uh, that we deal with and, and, and you would be a typical uh, owner, you know, they've never been through the sale. So it's, you know, it comes on them really hard, really fast. And there's a ton of information that's flowing back and forth things that are outside what they normally do in a day-to-day life. So when you look back, reflect on that process of selling the company, what are a couple of things that you may have would have, done differently or possibly things that you learned through that would, you know, you can take into, you know, your post-retirement type of career, so to speak? Well, it's funny. I, it's a great question. And again, it was seven years ago, but I do remember at the end of the process, I've, people said to me, how was it? 
And I said to them, well, if I knew how hard it was going to be, as far as bringing information together, the time we put into it, the emotional stress and strain that I went through, I wouldn't have done it. However, now that I'm through it and I did it, I would do it again a hundred times. So, you know, you're not really prepared for the amount of work that goes into it. And, you know, our accountant helped and our bookkeeper helped. There's work you have to do. The first thing we did was we interviewed three advisors and we hired one because the advisor role, and I know that's what you do, but there's no way we could have done this without an advisor. Absolutely not. We weren't a huge company, but we had, you know, we had seven figures income. We had a 35% EBITDA. We were a very profitable company and using the advisor was so helpful to bring their perspective, to put together the book, to, you know, to be the buffer between all the buyers, which is so stressful. Well, it's It's very emotional. Exactly. It's awful. And because you're, because they just want your money. They, They want the business. They, they love you and they tell you all this stuff, but it's an important it's an important transition that we all need to go through. If you own a family business, at some point, something has to happen. Either sell it to your kids and you still need an advisor. But so, so the number one thing is getting a good advisor. What else would I do the same or what wouldn't I do? I, I don't think there's anything that I would have done differently. I will say that we had, I think, 12 companies make bids and we narrowed it down to two to three and then two and then one. And we picked the one that had the best fit culturally for us. We had bids from private equity firms that were more money, but we just, you know, we really cared about our people. We cared about our clients. We cared about our reputation. And so we picked a brokerage firm that really mirrored all of that. And it was a family-owned brokerage firm, yet they were public. So the dad was involved, the son, the other son. So even though it was a huge company with 8,000 employees, it was a family-run public company. So we ended up choosing that. And that was a really good decision for us. Our, our office is still active. One of the young partners that Chuck and I had years ago is now running the office. We still do business with them. So I think, does that answer your entire question or was there a part two? I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. It does answer the question. Thank you. I think the, you bring up the, the word fit, you know, the cultural piece. And we actually did a whole podcast just on fit because, you know, as a family owned company, you know, that you can't underestimate or undervalue that piece of it. You know, when we have clients that are going to market to sell, it's like, okay, my company, how much is my company worth? Right. That's the kind of the first thing you want to figure out. They want to know, but as they get into it, as the emotions start to rise and you start to think reflecting about your business, about your people, about your culture, you know, I want to do the right thing, right. For everybody who's got me where I am today. So, you know, that piece about fit is can't be under undervalued, underestimated because you know what, when you make that decision, which you're, you just went through, you wanted to find the right fit. And there may have been, I don't know, maybe you can tell me, there may have been a couple of the bids out there that could have been a little higher value, 
Could it have put a little more money in your pocket, but it didn't feel right or wasn't the right fit. Did that, did that transpire at all with uh, you and your family? It did. I, I mentioned that and I'll mention it again. We didn't go with the highest bid. We went with the best fit that had the highest bid. So it really came down to two large insurance brokerage companies that were run by family. If I mentioned their name, you'd know who they are. They're well-known, right. they're well-respected. But we, at the end of the day, you have to choose one, right? So what, we, what was so important to us is that using our pro forma and all of that, we kept all of our employees in. You know, what you don't want to do is have a pro forma that shows 35 people, and then six months later, the company says, you don't need these five people, we're going to pull the finance into our department. We're going to, we're going to, we, you don't need a receptionist, you know, all these big changes to save money, to increase their return. Chuck and I wanted to be able to announce to our employees the day after the sale that they're fine, the clients will be fine and all of that. So, so it does, you do have to, you know, listen to your emotions and they're real. So you have to talk to your advisor about them. We had a lot of phone calls. What is this one like? We spoke to a lot of people that had previously sold to both of these firms. That's important to do. So we really, you know, they both would have been a good fit, but we had to pick one. So we picked the one that we did. Mark, we, we thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you, Keith and Dave, um, as always. So th thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to tell my story. You're quite welcome. Thanks, Mark. And thanks, Keith, of course. Look for information on all of Mark's projects in the show notes. If you like this podcast, we appreciate if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And we thank you for listening to the ins and outs of selling a business.